Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Short Corner Podcast. This is episode number eight and we're going to be reviewing a very disappointing one-all draw at home against Sampdoria. Um, back after a long break because uh, some of us were unavailable before the international break and then obviously we had the international break. So uh, yeah, happy to be back. Uh, Rid's not here, he's got uh, work commitments, but I'm joined by uh, Joe and Samir. You want to say hello? It's good to be back. Hello. And then, obviously, also joined by Naeem, who's going to introduce our special guest. Hey, guys. Uh, welcome back after the international break. Uh, we have someone special here with us on the Short Current Podcast. Uh, you probably know him on, from Twitter, Anthony Torgrud, uh, uh, co-founder of Semper Milan and one of the hosts on the Semper Milan Podcast. Uh, take away, Anthony. What, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. A pleasure to be here. Um, real quick, you know, for those of you who don't know, Matt and I go way back, so I just want to give him a special shout-out, you know, We've come a long way from uh, from enemies to friends, and you know I'm really proud of you and what you've accomplished with your footballing careers as far as a referee and with the podcast. So keep it up. Happy to be here. Yes, um, as far as that game, oof, I have very few positives, if any. Um, I probably don't, honestly. It, the whole first half was entirely Sampdoria. We we didn't do anything of um, anything of notice at all. It was pretty rough. I think actually the the best thing we did was a donor room a safe, which if anything says you know, Sampdoria was attacking more than us. Um, second half, we got a little bit better. And then uh, in the middle of us starting to, to turn on, Teo made a really poor back pass to Kessie, who didn't see the ball. Um, it was behind him. It went straight to Quadriorella, and he just chipped it over Donnarumma, who was off his line. And then we, we scored with, I believe, two minutes left in regular time. Um, Kessie hit the post three minutes into extra time, and that's all she wrote. Yeah, I only watched the, because um, as you said, I was uh, refing and uh, yeah, I only caught the first half hour, but we just, it's, it seems like a theme. I, I don't know if it's fatigue or injuries or what, or people just getting bad, but we never start. It doesn't seem like we ever start quickly now. Like we always seem to be like, takes us like a half to get into the game. And whenever we concede first, it's always like a, a massive problem. And yeah, it's something that we need to work on because we we tend to like, we get out there, everyone's hyped for a match back after the international break. And then it's just, oh, Sam Dory have had most of the ball, had like two really good chances and yeah, we're on the back foot. And yeah, it's just, it's worrying that like these games, Samir always says, if we win these little games, we'll get top four. But it's these games now that are sort of letting us down where we're just stumbling and we're not looking like Milan. We're looking like a mid-table side who's just struggling. We need to be yeah, capitalising on these games where we should be winning. Yeah, it's, uh, these early kickoff games, we really had a problem just winning them. I feel, I feel like, you know, just you see me and Anthony have our caffeine in our hands. But uh, first half was all, uh, it was all Sampdoria. Um, you know, second half, we did get into our stride. But first half was a GGO save. I think it was Thorsby on the header. But the Salamakers actually did have, we had a half chance. Um, he played it, he plays it back to his left hand, but Thorsby read it really well. I think we could have scored off that half chance. But, you know, I think Haga would have started uh, over Krunic. He saved Pioli's job. I've been saying the past few episodes, but Haga's a left winger. We have a dedicated left winger in the team, and he started Krunic as a Metzala. So it's just kind of weird, but Haga did save uh, the game for us. But other than that, you know, Theo, horrible, horrible back pass, like Anthony said. I don't know what he's doing there. Quality Arala, quality striker. He chips, he chips John Ruma. It's such a good goal, too, I think. See them off the line, and it's uh, only Theo's fault on that. Well, other than that, just a uh, bad performance. Uh, we should have won. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it was like we just took really long to start getting into the game. Um, didn't really do anything much of note until uh, Pioli made the substitutions after the goal. Um, I think Tenali came on and did quite well. Looked a bit more energetic, uh, but I mean, it wasn't really enough. Um, and then I think the worst crime, I think, was probably just keeping Castillejo on until then it was like the 73rd minute or something. And then Hauga came on. He didn't like change the game or anything, but he, he did, you know, he could at least like, you know, he could complete his passes. He could make runs. Uh, he was starting to make things happen. Uh, yeah, that's really important for the confidence boost for him. Um, yeah, it was just very disappointing, obviously. Um, Kessie with that miss at the end of the, the game as well as hands in the head in a moment um, I was already celebrating it to be honest like, um, and then I realised it hit the post uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah it wasn't very good uh, but yeah it was, it was, a, it was a terrible performance um, with uh, yeah, very little to take away from in a positive light It was a very shit game I had early games you know like waking up early and we also have a back, you know, like or like a record of playing early and you know, you know, like fucking up. And I don't know what happened since the last, like the last five six game. We have been starting very slow, like starting of the season. We used to start, you know, like full on attacking, you know, counter attacking, you know, like we should play like really high intensity, you know, the first half. But since last few matches, we've been playing very slow. Like we like we start playing good. Towards the end of first half, and then by the time it's half time, and when you come back, same thing again. Poli has to fix the problem of us, like not winning games when the opposition scores first. Like every time someone scores before us, it's really hard for us. Always, we always struggle when when the other team scores. And today, everyone was like really bad, except Kahi, Tomori, and Donnarumma. Everyone was bad. And Theo, I think this is one of Theo's worst game, except the run he did. Except the run he did, he, he had a really bad game, and that mistake was really bad. And I and and I think Hulk has to start from next match. Like no other, like no way. Like you know, for this performance, like he has to start. I don't know why he's really starting him instead of why like why he's starting Kurnic instead of Hulk. I don't really understand. Like remove Samu, put Rebich there, put Hulk here. You know. Up, on the right, left side, Pulhage, and Rebic on the right side. You know, I don't want to see Kronich, Samu Castillo anywhere near the starting you know, line. And and Kronich, I can't really blame him. You know, he's a he's a cam. You know, overall, it's just a bad bad game. You know, ruined my entire day. Um, I think there's a key talking point in that first half uh, from Ajello, their left back. Uh, he fouls Latan. In my opinion, that was a penalty. I thought that was a clear penalty about Jello, so I know I was off, off my couch screaming at the TV. You know, where's the penalty? What did you get? What did you guys think about the Jello foul? I can see both sides of it. You know, if it's outside the box, it, it's a free kick all day, every day. Um, but it's in the box. It's a bit tougher to make that call. I think just because it it is a soft challenge. Um, it, it's not card worthy. So I wouldn't be shocked if it was given, but I'm also not surprised that it wasn't. I didn't think it was going to get overturned though. Uh, yeah, I didn't think it was a clear and obvious error. Um, although, I mean, if they'd given it, I think it would have been all right as a call. Uh, it's a bit disappointing as fans, you know, to see it go the other way. But I think if it happened to us and um, and it got overturned, I would I'd be very annoyed as well.
think it's not like you can kind of feel a bit hard done by by it, but it's not some massive blunder. Like we've had ones in the past where it's like that has cost us two points or that was how was the ref not give that. It's a it's a shame. And it's like maybe on a day where we're we're a bit luckier, like Kessie doesn't hit the post at the end, Teo doesn't make that silly mistake. We get that penalty and it's a completely different game. But yeah, I think you can't have a massive go at the ref for that. I think it's it's not a as Joe said, it's not a huge error. It's not a clear and obvious error. But um, yeah, it's disappointing we didn't get it. And I think that lack of luck and the lack of maybe decision on our side just epitomizes which was what was a really frustrating game. Yeah, I think the irony of how the game went overall was our defense was probably the best aspect of our game today. Even though that's what cost us was that that mistake, but from Teo, but. I mean, our defense was solid. Like you guys said, Tamori, Kier, um, well, not, not so much style makers or Kalulu, um, but then again, they're not really expected to be playing anyways. But our, our center backs were fantastic. Gigi was fantastic. It was just that one mistake that cost us the game. You know, you could put the attacking deficiencies aside, the midfield um, deficiencies, to, for lack of a new word. But you put that aside and we still got the goal we needed and our defense was doing everything right until that one pass. And that's what cost us, even though I would say our defense was probably the best of that. Yeah, okay. oh man, do you think uh, we should uh, redeem uh, Tomori? I've, I've been uh, set oh, yeah. redeeming ever since we got yeah. yeah. I, I would have redeemed Tomori after the first game he played. I think that was all we needed, you know, compared to what we'd been seeing from Romagnoli earlier in the season after his return from injury, um, for with Gabia going out injured, with the exits that we were expecting. I know now the rumors Caldara is going to return, but uh, we don't really want that you know so uh i think we're going to redeem him i don't i don't see why we want it plus he's got resale value that none of our other players do have you know being being english you know what Mm -hmm. premier league clubs play for english players because they need homegrown so now you have a really good homegrown center back which is a pretty rare thing he he could resell to like a man city for 60 70 even 80 million euros in in a couple seasons so at the very least redeem him for the investment um I wanted to ask you guys thoughts on what, like we're linked to Labab, so I saw Sanford Milan tweeted that, but we also have Caldara coming back. So what are you guys thoughts on Labab and the Caldara situation of center backs? We already have Gabia and uh, Kalulu can play there too. Um, I personally, I think Caldara is one of those players who's like a player of the past sort of thing. Like he's been, a, he's been all right at Atalanta and it's like, he might even like come in and like be okay for us. But I think it's just, you don't want to go back sort of thing. It's like, it didn't work out. And I think that, like you said, we've got Kier, we've got Tamori, we've got Romagnoli, who although has not been like incredible, like 18, 19 Romagnoli, he's still a, a good centre, a good quality um, top division centre-back. Kalulu, as you said, can play there. Gabby, when he has played, has looked okay. And I think, yeah, Kaldara might be like, ready for our team but I think yeah he's like that summer where Higuain came in it's just it's memories of the past and it's bad memories it's his injury it's him celebrating when Atalanta scored against us and it's yeah I think yeah I think that Kaldara as good as he might be if he came back in I think yeah maybe just that's that's maybe one that you just put down as a failed project a failed yeah scenario yeah Kaldara didn't fit in at Milan um, for a number of reasons then there's no point in trying it again Obviously, we don't get a choice if they don't redeem his option, but uh, we, we could try and offload him, and I think we will. Um, I also think Romagnoli is on the way out. I, I know the rumor right now is he wants to renew for $7 million and he's just not worth that. Uh, there's not a chance. I mean, that's what Zlatan's making, and he's barely earning that at the moment with his performance today. So 
Um, no way Romagnoli gets that. Rylo is his agent. He'll find a new club if we want to get rid of him. So I, I think that's the only reason we would go for like Lovato or, or someone else. But if not, if Galdar does come back, then we, we might stick with him and get rid of Romagnoli and then just, you know, use the profit there for something else. I mean, I was very excited when we signed Caldara uh, initially because, uh, you know, he was really good at Atalanta when he was first there. Uh, but, you know, obviously it hasn't worked out. Um, you know, two very big injuries I think he had. I think he only played, like, two games in, like, two years for us uh, before he left. Uh, so, yeah, it's, I think it's unlikely he could come back and make impact that we would need from him. But he could be a solid squad player. And as Anthony says, you know, uh, if Romagnoli's on his way out, then you know maybe there could be a place for him. But yeah, you don't know. Um, ideally, you'd want Atalanta to to give us the money uh, so we can invest in somebody. Somebody. Uh, but you know, I also get the impression that Caldara probably won't want to stick around and be second choice. Uh, he is still fairly young, I think. So, um, and you know, he'll probably want to. Go to a sort of like smaller sort of team like maybe Sassuolo or where you can maybe, uh, maybe get a more starting role. Yeah, I think a lot of Milan fans have a bit of resentment towards uh, Caldara because right after he joined Atalanta, he posted a picture on Instagram of him uh, touching the Champions League uh, badge. So there's that. There's a lot of uproar regarding that. I think we should still him, you know. I feel like he's like Romagnoli, but worse. So what's the use? Like if you can get like 15 million, 12 million out of him, I think it's 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 all right, you know. Like, I don't want you know dead weight. Especially, you know, we have we have Gabia. He's you know, he should be all right, you know. Why have someone like Caldara? I think we should sell him if you get 12 million, you know, definitely. I feel like he's like Romagnoli type there, but worse, you know. And he didn't do anything in Atalanta last year, you know, so why have him around? Yeah, I think uh, the I want to talk about the Hauge situation. Um, I've been calling for Hauge to start games more often than he has because we've seen that potential that he did have in the game for Baldo against us in that qualifier. He scored a two fantastic goal. No, he scored one fantastic goal and we got a really, really good assist. So he has that quality and you saw it today. So I think that's important in a young player's career that like he needs those minutes uh, to boost confidence. So without those minutes, he sees a uh, career in a starting group and that's not going to really affect him. Uh, that's not what's going to affect him like negatively, really. So he needs a bit more minutes than PL is giving him. And I think he made a good case today. I would agree with that. Um, he definitely needs minutes. Um, one thing that he's not going to get, though, is minutes. Um, and, and that's simply because he's, he's played too many games this season already. You know, the Norwegian season started before Syria. When he came to us, that season was finishing. He had already played almost 40 games for them that season. His, his legs are tired. He played all of our beginning Europa games and, you know, some throughout the season. I think he's played just shy of like 400 minutes now after today as well in all comps for us this year. So um, he definitely has some minutes and we've seen he's capable of things. Uh, we know he's capable of more, like you said, from the game against Bodo. We saw what he could do and he was one of their top scorers there. I don't remember exactly what his goal tally was, but it was one of the double digits and he played three different positions. He played as an attacking mid, a right wing and a left wing. So he's versatile. He could do a lot. And we saw the skill today with his finish. I mean, that was a great wide curling effort in the top right coast post. So he's capable. Um, I'm in decent amount of communication with his father. In fact, he, he actually got a message 
from after the game because he scored. You know, we always send him pictures of the game and whatnot. So I do have a little bit of the that inside look on him. And I know the reason behind the minutes right now is simply rest. Um, that's why he was excluded from the Europa squad. I know we all kind of view it as a negative, and I agree. He would do a lot better than Krunic. But that's what the, the team thinks is necessary right now is just him to, you know, kind of take a backseat and just adapt to the team on the outside and, and rest up and be ready for next season to have like a more, more pivotal role. Anthony, um, who do you think uh, we should get as right? Like, who are your top three picks if we do get a right winger? Ooh, uh, who's so your top three? It, it's changed because Talvin was the name for a while, and that's who I wanted because it was going to be on a free. He was a, a decent enough player, huge improvement from Castillejo. But now that's not the name anymore. Now they're leaning towards Dorsalini. And I don't know if that's a better pick or a worse pick. He's obviously more experienced in the league. He knows it. Um, and I think he, again, better than Castillejo. But I don't know. I, I think we would need a, a transfer fee, uh, upwards of about $20 million plus wages. So it might not be the most beneficial for us. Um, as a third, oof, I don't think I have a third name, to be honest, right now. Um, I hate how uh, Castillo is a benchmark, though, like you were mentioning, for a club like Milan. Oh, you see Cortona with Adam Munas. He had a really good game against us. They have a better right winger than Milan, and that's just that's just sad that Castillo is the benchmark for our right wingers now. Yeah, I I don't have anything positive to say about him, and I've tried. I've tried to find some silver lining, find a reason to like him. I don't have any, and it, it's pretty rare that I like outwardly dislike a player. You know, normally I could just say, like, I don't think there's good enough for the team or, you know, he's trying hard. But I, I think Cassio is just horrible. He should never have been on the team. The money we spent to bring him in and to send Baca the other way was just disrespectful. You know, Baca scored 18 goals for us in, in his first season with almost zero service. And he's a poacher. Like Baca was a significantly better player. Granted, he's not going to start over his last and We all know that. And he's declined a lot. But I still think modern Baca is leaps and bounds above Castillejo. So. So we spent too much money on him and we could blame Leonardo for that, but he needs to go. Unfortunately, there's not a club that's going to buy him for the money that we need to sell him for to break even. It's it's just not going to happen. So he's going to be here for at least another season or two. Yeah, like at this point, just give me anyone, honestly. Like any right back from any team, I will take it. You know, hell, give me Javino from Parma. I don't care. Like at this rate, anyone is better than Castillejo. Like I still like, you know, like support him. You know, I'm like, okay, this guy tracks back in every match. And he doesn't do it, like, good anymore, you know? Like, like we have, like, better than Castillo is, you know, Salamakers, right? He does the same thing Castillo does, but much better. So, why have him around, you know? Like, I don't understand what is, like, why really, what season him on is to, you know? Like, everything he sees in, like, he's in Castillejo. Um, Salamakers does it, you know, like, same thing, but much better, you know? He has to go this season, honestly. Like, I rarely hit a player, you know, but Castillo, I don't know. Like, I don't see anything in him. He, he, like, he was doing good like before Suso left. Like, like, that time he was playing pretty well, you know, but now I don't know what the hell happened. It's not the same, and we should get rid of him, even if it's a loss. Like, no way these guys test for another season with, you know, with, a, with a number like number seven, you know, it's disgrace, honestly. Oh, Manti, we asked all our guests this, um, but what do you make of the top four race or Scudetto? So basically, do you think we still have uh, Scudetto ambitions or can we still make top four between those two? Like, what do you, where do you think we'll finish at the end? Uh, do we have ambitions? I'm going to say yes. Uh, Benacer came out yesterday and said, you know, we're, we're playing for first, not second. Um, but 
than we saw how we played today. And, you know, that obviously goes against that statement. So um, it's funny you mention that because I just grabbed my phone and Crotone just equalized against Napoli 3-3. So that actually helps us because they were up 3-1 earlier in the, in the day. Um, every team below us, with the exception of Juve, because they haven't played yet, is winning right now. Well, except Napoli um, right this second. But it's not looking good for us, honestly. You know, you, you look at Juve and Atalanta, um, a, either one or two games in hand on us, four points behind. Both of them most likely are going to beat us later on in the season if we continue to play like we have been. Um, so you, you could basically look at that right there as like fourth is what the benchmark is going to be. And then you'll get Napoli, who's right there behind us. You know, at the start of the day, we were seven points behind them, or I'm sorry, in front of them. Um, as of right now, I think that, well, it's still seven if they draw. But regardless, they have a game in hand. So if they beat Juve, then, you know, that that changes everything too. Plus Roma it just went up as well. So it's, it's uh, we definitely bottled the, the league, 100%. We're not winning the title at this point. It's shitty. You know, that, that was what we all kind of anticipated after going 23 weeks in a row at top. Um, but we've bottled that and with as tight as it's been, there's a good chance we bottle top four as well. I, I don't want us to, and I don't think we will, um, but it's very likely, especially with the way the season's got to end with the, the games we have. So who knows, maybe on match week 38, we're talking about Europa Conference League and not Champions League. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I, I seriously think we can bottle, like, like, I don't know, like, why we're so calm. We have, like, three teams, three big teams you have to face, Lazio, Juve, mm-hmm. And Atalanta, if you lose this three and we, if you keep on bottling like we have been today, you know, there's a big, big chance that we know we can like slip to like sixth, you know, or fifth. Like if Napoli, if they won the game today, if they can win it to the Napoli against Cochone, they are like two points below us. So, you know, and if you lose, you know, against Lazio, Juve and Atalanta, I'm pretty, pretty sure we can, you know, really bottle top four and finish like sixth or fifth. So I'm not really, you know, like excited. For the last nine games, I'm kind of scared, honestly. Yeah, Napoli just went up. I'm checking the scores right now, so and that's a the top four race. Yeah, in, uh, so I was just looking at it too. It, yeah, every team on uh, Lazio is up as well. Every team below us is is up right now. Well, Udinese just got one back, so three two for Atalanta over Udinese. So that might change, but it's, it's it's not looking pretty for us, boys. I think I think momentum's so important as well. Like I remember, um, nothing to do with Milan, but I remember a few years ago when Villa were in the Championship, they were like mid-table, were doing awful, but then they won ten games in a row, got into the playoffs, and then they won the playoffs because that momentum's so important. And mm-hmm. if we go into this running as we are like now, and we did beat Fiorentina, um, so like, got, like it's not like we lost ten in a row or something, but we're becoming sloppy we're dropping silly points and if it comes into those like last five games and we've got like Atalanta away on the last day and it's we need to be these last nine games of the running it we do have to be in a positive mindset we need to be like confident and I think at the moment all these scraping past Fiorentina um losing derbies 3-0 losing to top, top four rivals in Napoli dropping silly points at home to bottom half teams it's this is the last thing we need like going into that this last stage of the season what we need is everyone to be like okay we're going to win this game we're going to win this game we're going to win this game not oh okay uh, we'll take a draw it's at the moment this state that we're in of no one looks confident no one looks up for it everyone's sort of strolling around I saw a lot of comments about the body language like going into these last few games we really do need to 
up it or else teams will want it more than us and yeah we'll end up we'll end up slipping yeah that's that's a really good point and unfortunately you mentioned uh the the Fiorentina game to go back to a point I believe you that Joe or Samir brought up earlier that's the first game all season in the league where we've come back to win from a losing position every other time we've gone down first that's it we we, we don't come back Fiorentina is the only game where we've come back from a losing position to win um and as far as home form goes we haven't won a home game in our last four in the league and seven in all comps. I mean, that that's the worst form we could possibly have for being at home, especially for a state of Mike San Siro. If you take the fear out of the San Siro, then, you know, there's nothing you could do with the body language, the, the enemy teams. I mean, you see a team like Sampdoria who mathematically isn't getting relegated and isn't qualifying for any European competition. They have nothing to play for. They're finishing mid table and they brought it to us a uh, title contender and, and they, they basically could have beat us. You know, they, they probably should have beat us that we, we don't strike fear in teams anymore. It's, and we did in the beginning of the season, but that momentum has gone for us. So, and, and inter on the other hand, haven't lost, I don't think all year, you know, they're, they're high flying. So they got the momentum. So the, the tides have turned and it's, it's bad. Um, yeah. So Anthony, uh, we asked this question to, again, all our guests. Um, why are you a Milan fan? Like what got you into Milan? Um, we know you're not from Texas, you know, that's a, a bit of a blunder on my part, I'll admit, uh, you know, it's a funny part of my life, so, so, yeah, that's, me. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, let's talk about that. Anthony uh, <laughs> uh-huh. from Texas, so I'm playing, uh, I'm playing a war zone, I check up my phone, I'm like, and then I'm like, okay, I'll talk to Anthony about moving to Texas myself, so first thing in my head pops up, I say, yeah, he's from Texas, I reply to Samir, so Samir tweets that out, and you know, just uh, downhill from there, so guys, he's actually not from, uh, from Texas, he's from Norway. Well, so let's let's go into that too. And that, that's Waleed's fault, so I didn't mention it then. Um, I've never been to Norway in my entire life. My last name is Norwegian, but I, I don't have any Norwegian blood. Like, my dad was adopted by Norwegian family. Uh, my uncle's from a, a town in Norway called Trumson, but I've never been there. I don't really communicate with him, but um, that's the only Norwegian connection. I'm an American. Like my dad, I think he did took a DNA test and he was like 87% English. So if anything, I'm closer to British than anything else. But, um, <laughs> and my mom is Italian. So it, it's a weird mixed bag, but I'm American. I've lived here my whole life. I've been to like maybe six countries and, you know, I'm an American. It's all good. I live close to Texas. Um, that, that was just really funny. But as far as what made me a Milan fan, also a very weird, strange story. Um, I was wearing a plain black t-shirt just like this. It was probably ooh, 2010. No, it, it was right after we won the Scudetto. It was that the Scudetto winning season, but I didn't watch any of it. It was like the summer window after that, or it was like right before it ended, but I didn't watch anything. And um, a buddy of mine who was born and raised in, in London, he's a Tottenham fan. He's always tried to get me into the game. and I just never really cared. I watched a few games with his, his dad and him and, um, we were at the mall and before I started balding back when I was you know, in high school, I had really long hair I had a ponytail. It was actually longer than Joe's is now. And um, my hair just looked like shit this day. It was awful. We were at the mall. It looked terrible. And we went in this store called Lids. It's like a, a hat store and they have like mainly NFL teams, baseball, stuff like that. They never have soccer ever. And for whatever reason, they had an accidental shipment of soccer teams. And I had bright red puma uh, driving shoes on and a black t-shirt and i saw a hat that was black with the red brim and i'd never seen this logo in my life and i asked my buddy dan who's the the tottenham guy 
I was like, yo, what is this? And he's like, oh, that's AC Milan. It's a soccer team. They're pretty good. And I was like, all right, I'm going to buy it because it matches my outfit. My hair looks terrible. And he's like, if you do that, you have to become a fan. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Well, so I bought it. And then like that week or a week later, they won the Scudetto. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I will. Um, and then I went to Milan shortly thereafter. Um, couldn't go into San Siro. It wasn't, wasn't game time. But yeah, so just started watching ever since. And um, we've, it's been downhill as well. So maybe this is all my fault. Who knows? Oh, that's a really cool story. And another question we also asked is, who's your top three favorite Milan players of all time? Any era, go. Um, definitely Zlatan. Um, he was there when I started, and I, I love cocky athletes. That's a big thing for me. Um, Zlatan, Balotelli. In fact, I have a, I can't see it, but a 45 tattoo. Um, that's That was my dad's number. He used to play um, American football back in the day, but it was also Balotelli, so I was like, that's dope. Um, and who would be a number three? three probably Kaka you know I, I got to see his final years with us as well um yeah that those are the, the top three and those are probably an easy top three with the exception of Balotelli but yeah that, that was my era so I'm all about it and to have Zlatan back I was able to buy like actual Zlatan jerseys from when he was with us and that was cool you know I have um this jersey up here on the well I'm not going to turn because the rest of my bed isn't made but um that's a signed jersey from the Scudetto winning team it's not the Scudetto winning season jersey um, but Zlatan's on there, and I was like, that's that's the coolest thing in the world to me. So, yeah, definitely Zlatan. How'd you, how'd you manage to get that, by the way? What, the, the shirt? The sign, yeah. <laughs> how much was it? No way. Uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah, that was, like, right after I got my first uh, big boy job. And I was like, I don't know what money is. I could spend anything. So I spent a lot of money on that. And I don't regret it, but there's a lot wiser purchases you could make. So save your money. <laughs> We did get some other questions off Twitter. So, um, Kalschnik, um, he asked um, on Twitter, you posted something about um, something's changed regarding a regarding a girl, and he was uh, he was wondering if we could have an update on that. That's him, not us. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's funny. Um, that's been a, an ongoing saga for. I don't know. I think like December, maybe November was the first tweet in that thread. I don't know when, but yeah, there's really nothing serious about it. It was just um, this cute girl at the gym one night, like asked me to spot her while she was squatting. And it was just like, that's really suspicious behavior. But I was like, all right, cool. Let me tweet about it. It's funny. Um, and then I don't know, she's being a little flirtatious and we would chit chat every time we'd see each other, but never really anything. Um, and then Christmas Eve, I actually got COVID. So I was down and out for a while. And then um, when I was healthy again, I went back to the gym and she asked, she's like, where you been? I haven't seen you. And so I was like, I couldn't tell her that I had COVID and my first time out of the house was right then, you know, because that, that scares people off. So I was just like, oh, I was on vacation. Um, but yeah, and then I didn't really talk to her after that. And I think I told told him at the time he uh, he told me to get her number and I was being stubborn. I was like, no, I'm going to focus on Milan and fitness. I don't need girls. And then like last week I got her number. So I was like, yeah, you know, whatever. So. That's the update there. I haven't even talked to her since. I never text her, but yeah, I got it off. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a that's a positive update for him at least. I'm sure he'll watch this and be um, yeah be happy about that. Um, Carlos um, was asking. Oh, let me find the tweet. Uh, Carlos is in final go- finally go to win. Yeah, finally go to win. Uh, Shadow band himself. Yeah. Um, oh, he asked. Um, when are we going to get to see your dog on the on this podcast? Or I think he was talking more about uh, your Sempre Milan podcast. He was he was uh, wondering if we, he could make an appearance. 
Just wake him up. Come on. Jump up. There he is. Uh, now I got the dog. Look at the camera. All right, you can go back to sleep. There you go. Carlos, you got your wish. Yeah. Um, right. Do we have anything else, Joe? Is there anything you want to add? Uh, I, I like uh, the dog um, turned to the camera. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't do that normally. I was surprised he actually did. But now he's going to jump on the bed a bit mm. and he's just staring at it. Do your thing. Is there any more questions in the link? Mm, guys, I wanted to ask, like, what do you guys, like, right now, like, I've been seeing on Twitter lots of bully out already, you know? Oh, yeah. I for... see. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, like, it's... Thoughts on what? I didn't hear you, sir. I don't know about Allegri in. I think, um, I don't know where he's going to go, but I, I don't think he comes to us. Um, Pioli's going to stick around next season. I, I know that for like 90% fact. Um, so Pioli, unless something drastic happens, like if we do finish fifth or sixth, there's a chance at that point. But if we get top four, he'll stick around. Um, he's not the manager to win us a title. We, we thought he might've been this season. But prior to this season, we didn't think that. And probably going forward, we don't think that as well. He's just not really won too much in his career. And that's not a knock on him. That's just the reality of it. Um, I think he's a good enough manager to get us to where we need to be. But he's not going to take us to that next level. So if we want to advance, he'll have to go at some point. Um, it wouldn't be fair to him to sack him after getting top four, though. So I, I think he'll stick around if we do get top four, at least for one more season or half season, depending on how it goes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pioli does have his limitations, like Joe was saying today. Uh, Joe said uh, it felt like we we lost, uh, and I agree with him because if we're playing ten matches on three at home. We should be expected to win a game like this at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's some of some of the blame is on Pioli. So Joe was talking about that. So Joe, do you want to talk about the Pioli? What what Pioli could have done better today? I guess. Uh, I mean, yeah. I just I, I think the lineup he he actually started was just it it, it didn't quite. You know, there wasn't really the right kind of balance in the team, I thought, because, you know, the three attacking midfield players he started were Krunich on the left and then Chanolo and Castillejo. And, like, none of those players have pace or can particularly beat their man. So we just got this thing where they're, you know, nobody's able to really create any chances. So there's, there's no, you know, there's no player running beyond or, or doing anything. It was just sort of, it was very kind of dry. Um, I think he just waited far too long to make any sort of real changes. I mean, he put Kalulu on at half time, but I mean, yeah, it was like I don't think Salamakers was actually doing particularly that bad of a job. You know, I think it would have been much more effective substitution if he'd taken Castillo off and moved Salamakers to the right wing spot. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's yeah, as I said earlier, I mean, it's really good that. How good a score because I think that's going to be great for his confidence and hope that um, that we see more of him. But it's actually very interesting to hear that, that he's he's played all this like a full season with Bodo Glimt in Norway, and now he's he's here and you know it's got to this point where you know he's probably he's played quite a lot of minutes and he hasn't really had an awful lot of rest. So you know. Um, but yeah, I hope we do see more of him going forward than Grunich or Cassio, but, you know. Yeah, I didn't like his squad. 
I, I didn't like his squad selection either. You know, I think it's weird that we even appealed the Rebic suspension if we weren't going to start him. Um, bringing him on in the 60th minute, it, it seemed kind of like a waste. Uh, I would have started him over Krunic and definitely Salmakers over Castillejo. Um, I don't know why we didn't start Klulu from the beginning. You know, he like maybe it was because he did bad against United, but that was also um, a player whose only first team experience is with us versus Paul Pogba. You're never going to win that. Um, Sampdoria is a perfect game for him to show what he could do and, and to develop. So I think he should have started and Salmakers absolutely over Castillejo. You know, he may not be the fastest, but he definitely has more pace than Castillejo. And he's stronger. He, he's going to push forward. Alexis Salamakers definitely wants to win every game. And he's going to try. Whether it's a poor attempt or not, he's going to at least try. Castillejo will stop a counterattack. He will get the ball on the counter, 1v1, and just stop moving and make a back pass. No one knows why. Salamakers will at least you know, try and shoot across, even if it's awful. So I'd rather that. Um, I, I don't know what Peely's thoughts were. And it isn't the first time I've criticized his selection either. Um, or his substitutions, to be honest. He's made weird subs in the past as well. So he has limitations, like you said, and he needs to improve in a lot of areas. Um, but I, I don't think he's going to be gone. He's he's going to have a job next summer, for sure. Or next season. Um, who do you think we should keep between the lonies, between uh, Dawa, Tonali, uh, Tomori, and Brahim? Like, who do you think is staying and who do you think is going in the summer? Who do you want to, uh, to, to say? Tonali and Tomori are definitely getting redeemed. Um, I think we have one more year on the Tonali loan, but I think we're going to redeem him this summer anyways, just to, you know, fudge the books a little bit. No way on Dallow. He's going to return. Um, Brahim, there's talks that he might get a second loan spell. And in that, there might be an option because we don't have one now right now. It's just a dry loan. So the, the plan is to do another year with a, a low option if we can make it happen and then see what we could do. Um, the asking price right now is, is too high for what he's done for us. So that, if he goes back, then it's permanent to go back or he gets another loan with a low option. But if we don't get the option we want on him, then he goes back. What about Mandzukic? Uh, so is he staying or going? What's, what's going on with that? So Mandzukic is an interesting one because originally it was thought that he had a automatic renewal if we got Champions League. Now that's confirmed to be false. Um, it's the club's option. So really, it's I don't want to say a no-lose situation for the club because he hasn't done anything, so we're still losing money. Um but if we get Champions League, then the option to renew him is there for us. If we don't get Champions League, then he's gone. But the option is renew him at the same price, you know. Whereas if we didn't have that option, then if we wanted to keep him, he can negotiate a new new price. So I guess that's the silver lining there. But unless he gets healthy and contributes, I don't see him sticking around. You know, he doesn't like yeah, he's an experienced player, he's won a lot of trophies, but he doesn't give you like that mentality boost that Zlatan gave the team in the beginning. You know. And with other free agent big names on the market, um, other talented young strikers on the market, I, I think we go for someone else over renewing him. Is he still injured? Wasn't he supposed to be like back after the international break? I think so. And I don't know if he was on the... Was he on the bench? I don't uh, think he was on the bench. Uh, he was on the stands. He was on the stands. He was in the stands? Okay. Then yeah, I think yeah. he's still injured. But I, I could find out. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah he got injured really quick. Go ahead. Um, yeah, so uh, we also asked forget this. Uh, so if you had to pick between uh, like a deputy Zlatan, so in the case Zlatan doesn't renew or we have a backup striker, who's your top three picks going forward? Because we can't rely on Mandzukic. In the case we don't, we can't rely on Mandzukic. Who would you have? Yeah. Um, I mean, dream signing is obvious in, in Holland, but that's not happening. Um, 
I would say number one sensible pick that we could get would be Daniel Malin. I, I think he's fantastic, highly underrated, and the price is right. Um, I think that would be like the, the steal of the century if we could get that. Um, number two might be unorthodox, but I think just make Leal better. You know, I, I think he's a fantastic player in his own right. And if we could get him to have the right mentality to, to work rate, you know, he could do it. He could get the job done. So that would be my number. I guess that's all three, but really it's Daniel Mullen. Um, I, I would actually like to, I think, and this one might be a bit controversial, switch the formation from a, a 4 2 3 one to a, a four. I got to do math in my head here. Four, three, <laughs> one, two. No, that's too many, right? No, no, that's, that's the right amount. Um, I would let Hakan go. Uh, I would sell him off, put a three-man midfield of Kessie Benesser and Tonali, have, you know, whoever we want at like Rebic or someone at that attacking mid role, and then have Liao up top with Zlatan. I think you're going to get the best out of him in a two-man strike team. Um, and I think we're going to get the best out of our midfield having Tonali and Benesser in there. Obviously, Benesser didn't look good today, but he's returning from injury. So, you know, I'll give him a little slack. And Tonali's look great. So it makes sense to play both of them if we can. So that's what I would like to see. But it's not going to happen. Nothing's going to stay next season for sure. That's like a 90% done deal at this point. So he's going to renew. Um, I don't know if that's a good good call or not. I mean, it can't be a bad one, but at 40 years old, we'll see what he could do. If anything, it looks bad for us to have a 40-year-old as our star striker. So who knows? Um, no, that formation is interesting, actually, because it gives Theo that space down that left so you can just rampage up and down and then the CDM cover or whoever that is in that formation. But Joe pitched that three-man uh, midfield earlier in the podcast. So it actually is quite balanced. So the right back and the left back do have space to go up and down. So Theo can still send his crosses and Calabria can still send his crosses to the strikers. But um, do you want to talk a bit about that three-man midfield show? Like what is the offer as opposed to what we have now in the two-man double pivot? Well, I think um, I think it's quite interesting. If you look at the qualities that Benazaro, Tonali and Kessie have, they all quite balance each other out quite nicely uh, Benistar I think does really well that sort of thing keeping it ticking and like you know those sort of little turns and despair um, you know and Tonali I think is at his best when he's able to sort of go forward and get involved in the attacking play and sort of play as a more sort of creative player and Kessie I think is absolutely brilliant when he's sort of you know he's become really brilliant Kessie ever since he's been limited in what he's been told to do so I remember under like Gattuso, he was like, you know, he was basically do, he was trying to do everything, um, you know, and we were always complaining that he was missing surfing or playing the wrong pass in the final third. But you know, he's really become quite assured, and you know, they all they all do that thing where they sort of track back and you know look watch over themselves, and and they, if they could all do that at different times, and you know. But the only problem with that is that we, we would need to sign quality midfielders to back them up. Because right now, our, our depth in midfield is, I think it's like Meite. Uh, and then, who else do we have? <laughs> and, you know, obviously, he's he's not going to... I mean, is Meite going to be around next season? I'm not sure, honestly. Um, I would. I would keep him. I think he's proven. Because the option we have on him is either 7 or $8 million, And, I mean, in today's market, that's not a lot. And the last few outings he's shown to like look like a 12 to 15 million players. So I would be happy to keep him. Um, Krunich as well, honestly, because he, he costs us next to nothing. So at this point, and he's, is this his second or third season with us? 
And second, I think, Kroonich. Second? Yeah, so I think the, the way his contract worked, he's, you know, any any offer over, like, three and a half million would be a profit for us on the books. So I, I don't see why we would get rid of him now. You know, we can milk that. And at this point, anything is profit. So just keep him around and the price keeps going up, even if he does worse. Yeah, I forgot about Kroonich, actually. Uh, he does quite well in a, a three-man midfield because uh, – you always get the sensation of him, or no, the the feeling of him that he's, um, you know, he's not really quite creative enough to play in like the ten role or on the wings. He's not fast enough, uh, and he's not good enough defensively to be in a double pivot. So, really, um, you know, he's sort of best in that Mensala role. Um, so I guess he's a useful depth, but I still think we would need to sign one more midfielder if we were to do the the three man midfield as opposed to two man. I, I agree I with that as well. well. We have a Tomasa Pabega coming back. And then you had an interview with another player in our ranks, so Marco Frigerio. So, yeah, so we do have those midfielders uh, coming in, like you said, Joe. So, um, Anthony, what do you think about um, Pabega and Frigerio? Where are their prospects uh, going into next season? Like, where are their chances? To be honest, team? I haven't watched much of them. So, I, I really don't know. Um, I know Pabega has been, been pretty hyped up, and it sounds like he, he might come back. So, probably will see minutes. I mean, that's just the way it is. Like I just said, Krunich and Mete aren't going to be the best backups to have around. So if he comes in, he'll definitely get playing time. He's from Milan. Um, the return always is, you know, hyped up when players will even come back. So he'll, he'll get minutes for sure if he comes in. And I, I don't know what his ceiling is. I don't even know where he's at right now, to be honest, as far as his potential. So uh, I'm not against it, but I, I wouldn't go all in for that yet. Yeah, I think I think with the midfield, we do have a proper drop off in quality. Like we've got Benacer, who was one of the best midfielders last year, Kessie, who's just come on leaps and bounds and is now one of the best midfielders in the league, um, Tonali, who like after a slow start, he's becoming to he's starting to fit in now and look like a proper Milan player. And then from there, we've got then from there it just goes Mete and then Krunic, and it's like they're not like awful players, but there is a there is a lack of, yeah, quality quality depth there. So maybe just having Pabega come back and just offer another number. So, and I think he is a bit more of a box to box, like whereas someone like Metier is your like more defensive midfielder. So he could offer something different. As you said, he's homegrown. He's a he's from Milan. He's a he's a Milan youth pro, uh, youth product. So. Yeah, I don't. I I wouldn't imagine his wages are particularly high. So yeah, I think I think it again. It's a bit of a low risk option having him back. And as you say, he'll get minutes and he'll be able to develop, and then we can yeah see where he goes from there. Really. Do we have anything uh, more to talk about? Or I think we're good. Um, actually, well, what about the piscina option? Do we still have that or or no? Ah, uh, you know, I'm not 100 percent sure. I think it it might have expired. Actually, oh, I know okay. we had it last okay. season, but it might maybe it hasn't. I don't know because it was a um, it was like a, a percentage of future sale or what was it? It was like a, a set fee to buy back or something. I can't remember what it was, but yeah, was I know that gets talked about. Yeah. So, I mean, that might be an option. I, I don't know if he's the, the – I don't know if that's the answer either, though, to be honest. It it might work well in a two-striker formation, but I, I don't see him leading the line by himself. 
Yeah, no, no. Piscina, I think he might want to go back to Atalanta. Actually, he's found a home there uh, after Papu Gomez is gone. He's been playing as a number 10 from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he wants to come back to Milan anytime soon. But yeah, for sure. Transfer was 100 million, is what the budget was quoted, right? For the Mercato? Yeah, so it still hasn't been clarified if that includes the um, uh, loan options or not. So, like, Tomori is going to be for sure a done deal, but we don't know if that's going to come out of that 100 or if that's already accounted for and it's 100 after that, you know. So, uh, I don't know, um, but I think 100 is a sensible transfer fee, especially for a club with ambition. Um, in today's game, that's the type of money you need to spend. Um, and that doesn't exclude exits as well. You know, if, if we get 30 or 40 for Romagnoli, that's fantastic. Um, we could replace him right there with someone else, you know. It, they're going to be tricky with it. I mean, we've seen the type of signings we've made, low cost, as low as possible, with the highest potential. The problem with that, what happens when you develop young players into world-class players? They want to be paid like it. So even though you're saving money now, there's going to come a time, like right now with Donnarumma, where these players that now have a name, that have clubs that want them, that have, have proven resumes, they're going to want to be paid like it as well. And now that wage bill that we just slashed down is going to go right back up. So it, it's really, is the risk versus reward there? You know, do we want to win now and, and invest in some big name players that are already on those wages and just accept it? Or do we want to try and pull off something cheeky with some kids and, you know, maybe get a title, maybe get a trophy somehow or develop them for a few years into the future and then sell on again. So I don't know. It, it's a tricky one. Um, I think, with the way Elliot runs the club, they definitely want to go youth, which is fine. Um, but I don't know if that's going to win us anything anytime soon. What are the chances we lose Donnarumma or Hakan on a free this summer? That's an interesting I think, topic there. I think Hakan is more likely than Donnarumma. Um, Donnarumma wants to stay. The issue is Raiola wants agent fees. And I mean, his job is to find his players in new club he's not going to find a new club because Donnarumma wants to be here for his career, but that creates a huge issue for an agent because they make money on transfers. So the main thing is ask for a high price for Donnarumma and then we negotiate it down. And then Ryle says, fine, well, if you're not going to pay him that, then you're going to pay me this in transfer fee or in um, agent fees. And so the money we spend is going to be probably the same regardless, but it's just a matter of finding that medium of, you know, where, where we get it. And, one thing that Mirabelli always talked about was, you know, I got Donnarumma to renew without any agent fees. That's true, but also not because we had to sign Antonio Donnarumma and pay agent fees on him. So Raiola will get his way one way or another. It's just how we want to spin it. Um, but I don't think he's going to go anywhere. And I don't think it's going to be 10 million. I think we'll get it like a two-year renewal, of seven and a half with an option for eight, depending on Champions League qualification. Um, that's if we get it done before the season. If it's after the season, uh, and it really depends on Champions League. If we have it, then it'll be like eight or eight and a half. Um, if we don't have Champions League, then it's a different story and we might start talking about walking. But I, I feel like he likes the club too much and we know what he's worth. We're not going to let him go for free. So if we can't come to a deal, he might sign like a short-term contract at same wages and we try and sell him on in that time frame. Who knows? But it, it's going to be interesting coming coming up real soon. What about Hakan? Do you think he's since day or do you think he's leaving? I think we want him to stay. Um, and maybe he's seen with his own performance lately that he's not worth the money he was asking. So maybe he'll come down. I know he started to negotiate his contract himself, which is what Zlatan does, actually. Even though Ryle is Zlatan's agent, 
Um, Zlatan's at a point where he just kind of does his own thing, and I think everyone's okay with that. Um, and Hakan has been doing that as well. I don't know who his agent is. I don't know if it's Rilo or someone else, but um, he's been negotiating by himself. So that's a good sign. We might get something. But as I mentioned earlier with going to that that new formation, that would be dependent on if Hakan walked and we freed up that wage bill for a new player that could fit that role and change the formation up. So there's benefits to both sides of it. Um, I personally would like to see him stay. I like the player. I think he's got more he could do for us. But if he walks, it's not the end of the world. We'll definitely have a replacement ready. Yeah, I think that with him as well, it's just a case of there's going to be, it's a win-win either way. We either keep him and like since last year, he's got, he's up there with like Grealish and Messi in terms of like chances created. And if not, as you say, we lose him, but we've got enough money to just get someone in who's going to fill that hole and yeah, we'll be good to go again. So it's not, I think with Donnarumma, if we were to lose him, it's like that is a massive drop-off in quality. Like we're never going to get someone as good as him. But then if we lose Hakan, there will be someone who can come in and yeah, do a decent enough job. My thing with Donnarumma, um, and, and you might take a little bit of offense to this because aren't you a goalkeeper yourself? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think there's a ceiling of how important a goalkeeper can be to any team. If you have an incredible back line, you could have a pretty crappy goalie. And, and be perfectly fine. Um, and there are good goalies available for low cost. One thing that does play in our favor is all the big teams that could afford a Donnarumma already have a number one set for a while. So they don't need him, but Donnarumma at this point is becoming a luxury player, not a necessity. Um, with Tamori in his form and Kier in his form, Teo in form unlike today, um, then, then we're pretty solid and we could get away with having someone else. Um, I forget his name, starts with an M, but he's in... Uh, either, my, dad. Uh, my dad from the yep oh. yeah he's available cheap and he's he's good enough to fill that role and you would you would notice a drop off you know there's things like like free kicks penalties things like that that you're going to notice when you go from a top world-class goalkeeper to you know just a bang average or slightly above average but as far as open play goals conceded i, I don't think we're going to see too much if our defense continues to be as good as it is yeah i think that like like you say that um, Mike Menyan, he's available. Like people like the Sampdoria goal will keep today, or Dero, he's not bad. Musso mm-hmm. from Udinese, there is alternatives. I think, like you say, like even with like Dida, when Milan like won all Champions Leagues in the two thousands, it's like he wasn't at the time when you're thinking at that time there was Buffon and there was Cassias. Milan didn't have Milan had the best team in the world, but they nowhere near had the mm-hmm. best goalkeeper in the world. So yeah, I understand what you're saying. I think the only problem would be um like obviously yeah, you said that you know it's a bit of a drop off, but you'd you could get someone in decent. I think the only shame would be to lose him on a free. So I don't mind yeah. I don't mind losing him and maybe getting Ordero or Manyan or um Musso, but then yeah, to lose him for nothing, this generational, incredible world-class goalkeeper. Yeah, that'd be the that'd be the big defeat out of all of it. Yeah. I think in the end we'll get both of them and we'll sign both of them. Maybe Donnarumma for like eight million uh salary with two years. And and Hakan, I don't really know, but I feel like in the end we'll get both of them. So I'm not really worried right now. Yeah, I think a lot of the renewals depend on Champions League qualification. Um, everyone wants to put in right now, like, here's your offer and we'll give you this bonus if we qualify. But a lot of the players are thinking, you know, let's, let's just see how the season goes. And then I could demand even more than that, you know. And 
they could get away with it, but it's, it's a risk obviously. So maybe that might motivate them to qualify, you know, push a little harder, play better than they did today. Yeah. yeah. yeah I no feel way. like, I really feel like Donnarumma is just waiting for us to see if we can make the UCL. I think as soon as, you know, we make UCL, like for sure, he's signing. Yeah, no, we're linked to Zakani too, uh, talking about Hakan replacements. Uh, that might be a low-cost option if uh, he wants to play Champions League. If we do make Champions League, we can offer, what, how last 10 to 12 million, and hopefully they accept. So that's a low-cost option if uh, Brahim or Hakan don't go. I'm, personally, I'm a big fan of Zakani. He's having a good season himself. And you know we're linked, so that could be a cheap alternative there. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think we did cover everything. Uh, it was a you know pleasure having you on, Anthony. Good talking points there. The, yeah, the thanks for having me. Good time. Uh, he's actually not from no um, from Texas. My bad. I'm saying Norway again. He's he's not from Texas. <laughs> That's a blunder on my part. Um, from Norway. But uh, go check out the Sempre Milan podcast. Uh, some great stuff over there covering a lot of topics. Uh, go check out the Sempre Milan uh, Twitter. And also check out uh, Redbubble. They have some new stuff. Uh, Akola Butzperino, too. They, they posted a Kaka and uh, Rivera. Some Rivera stuff, too. I was uh, checking out myself. So very cool stuff going on uh, at Sempre Milan. So um, definitely go check them out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'll wrap it up. Uh, thank you again, uh, Anthony, for coming on. Uh, uh, I've been Matt Robson and I've been with uh, Joe, Naeem and Samir. Uh, unfortunately, Rid wasn't here, but I think we still had a, a great podcast, got through a lot of transfer talk and um, just general Milan talk and um, just would have been nice if there was a win to do that alongside. But uh, unfortunately, there wasn't. But um, we'll be back again for the uh, next game review. And yeah, thank you, everybody, for watching. Like and subscribe and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for coming, Anthony. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it.